You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to be back here at Pasco Vale. And uh, what a joy this morning to share God's uh, word from Luke chapter 10. Title is uh, slightly different. Uh, the one thing, a much shorter one. The one thing is the best thing, obviously. Um, so, a day after the election, a day after the big uh, win in the football results of uh, Australia versus Tunisia. So, it has been a quite a busy day yesterday. And uh, even even as we finish the year, I think this picture is. Uh, quite um, memorable because uh, it reminds me, uh, reminds us all of the year that, uh, the few years that has gone past in the um, global COVID um, pandemic. Uh, it's quite significant and unprecedented uh, on the impact it has on our health systems. Um, and we have seen this uh, picture of a an ambulance with all the paramedics in there rushing from one place to the other as it tears its way around Melbourne uh, with its lights and sirens blaring. And it does give you this sense of urgency, going from one crisis to the next, um, from one emergency to another. And we can all relate to this. And many of us live in the same way, we live our lives in constant motion, like the ambulance going around from one place to the other. Every day is so stressful. Maybe yesterday was a very, very uh, stressful day for you, going from one thing to another. Um, and um, even uh, as we look at our lives, we can be um, in a situation of busyness and also much activity. And if that is so, Today's lesson, chapter 10, from Luke chapter 10, is for you. Before we do that, let's commit our time to God. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we commit our time this morning to you. Teach us from your word. Help us to listen well. Guide us as we make these truths real in our lives. In Jesus' name. We continue our series on Luke, and today our series on God's plan for the world uh, is from Luke chapter 10. But first, let me give you some background to the story. Now, Jesus and his disciples, we read, are entering the village on their journey, teaching, healing, and doing uh, good to many in the region. Although we are not the name of this village in Luke, we know that a woman by the name of Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Now, um, the um, name uh, of Martha actually translates as mistress. So we get the idea that this woman, Martha, is actually uh, the eldest of the family and she is also uh, the owner of this house. And we read also that she has 
a sister, a younger sister called Mary, which we uh, introduce in this chapter. And also, we also know from uh, John's Gospel uh, that uh, he ha they have a brother, Lazarus. And we know about Lazarus because in John chapter 11, um, we read that Lazarus died and Jesus raised him from the dead. Now, Martha, we know, is a generous and hospitable woman. And the three siblings, um, Martha, Mary, and John, loved Jesus. And they were close disciples of her. Now, although we do not know the name of this village, uh, John actually gives us the name of the village. Uh, this is the village of Bethany. Bethany is uh, where they have their family home. Uh, and it is actually quite close to Jerusalem. It's only about an hour's walk. And um, it's a very good place for Jesus and his, and his disciples to stay over uh, on the way to Jerusalem. And maybe, you know, uh, it's a warm and hospitable place, and it's probably a cheaper accommodation as well, and free. Uh, and, uh, of course, um, as... Uh, Jesus entered the home, we see us, we are presented with two personalities. The two personalities that we see before us is one of Martha and one of Mary. In verse 39, we find that Mary was finding her place at the feet of Jesus and listening uh, to Jesus teach the good news of God. It's actually quite unusual because in those days, the women actually are not supposed to be sitting and, you know, uh, listening at the feet of the rabbi. They should be very busy doing other things. Uh, but Mary knew what she wanted, and she showed how much she longed to hear the words from Jesus. On the other hand, on verse, in verse 40, we find Martha. Martha was actually quite distracted. She was distracted by much serving. So here we've got two persons, Mary, the quiet one, very meditative, contented to be listening and taking in the words of Jesus. On the other hand, we have Martha, who is busy with much serving. In other words, she was trying to be a very generous and hospitable host. And it reflects um, really um, what we are doing here in church as well. And sometimes, um, as we, today we have your uh, lunch uh, fellowship, you know how much preparation that needs to be done, getting all the things all set up, you know, food to be prepared. Uh, there's much to do. There's lots of happening. Uh, there's a lot of activities in the background. Um, and sometimes in the corner of your eye, you begin to see somebody else, you know, just sitting there, enjoying his cup of coffee, um, discontented to seeing you work. And, uh, uh, and sometimes we get this feeling, what is he doing? <laughs> when I'm so busy, why can't he come and help? And we can appreciate Martha's problem, can't we? Now, this was before modern communications. Huh? So when Jesus went to uh, Bethany, he didn't text a message, hey, Martha, I'm coming to your house. I'll be there on uh, Monday. No. Jesus came to the village and he was welcome. And also this was the day before we have microwave ovens. Today you just put the food there and 
press a button, and it's all done, heated up. Guess what? In those days, they have to go out to the yard to go and get the wood to make the fire, to bake bread if they want, or make soup. And in addition, this is no, no small party. This is Jesus and his disciples. How many people? 13 people. 13 hungry men. On top of it, Mary, Lazarus, 16 people all coming for a meal. And you can imagine the anxiety that is in the heart of Martha. And um, several weeks ago, uh, my wife, uh, Michelle, we had about 20 people come over to our house. We realized how much preparation that's involved. And guess what? We had all the conveniences. We know when they're coming. And of course, we make the uh, clever arrangement. If you want to come, you bring a dish. <laughs> so we all shared the cooking. So you can see that, you know, as opposed to our day, Martha was actually faced with a very, very difficult situation. And we can imagine her reaction. She said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Now, the word here, distracted, means that her attention was drawn away. She was drawn away by the many tasks that she was serving. Just like an ambulance that's running from one place to the next. Um, and remember that my sister has left me. In other words, Mary was actually helping her. She was not just sitting. She was helping her, but she has left Martha um, uh, to be with Jesus. So Mary's concern seems to have been that she had to work alone rather than having just to sit and listen to Jesus. Have you ever wondered, when you look at this verse, why Luke, the author, mentions such a trivial incident? Have you ever wondered? Why can't Jesus just say to Mary, Mary, would you please help your sister in the kitchen? That would be it, isn't it? Simple, simple um, uh, problem has a simple solution. That's my thinking, really. That's the human standpoint. That's the human thinking. But when we look at this verse, this passage, we find that Luke presents with us something deeper, something more insightful. And we are going to unpack this uh, now. And also, have you ever wondered why Martha didn't ask her younger sister, Mary, to help? She's the elder sister. She could have said, Mary, please come and help me. Why did she go to Jesus? Now, that's where you start to see why she's doing this. You see, it seems to me that Martha's reaction was actually focused on her own desires and goals. Martha was restless and she wanted Jesus to do something. 
She wanted Jesus to set the priorities for her sister. She wanted to, to have Jesus affirm that the right priority was her priority, which is to get the sister to help her. Can you see that? And you can see that in the words that she used. She says, do you not care? Shows that she was actually feeling very neglected. She was torn apart by the preparation and all the things she needs to do. And it seems that Jesus does not care. Have you ever noticed that she also uses the word, my sister has left me. Tell her to help me. See how that word is actually focused on what's happening. Her heart was in turmoil. She was so troubled. How do you prepare a, 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 a sumptuous meal, a meal that's fit for you know, uh, 16 people? Um, and you can see that uh, this is happening in her heart and why she's referring it to Jesus. Now, the next thing is that of Jesus' response. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. And Jesus' reaction is, uh, response is really completely different from what she was expecting. She was expecting Jesus to say, Mary, do you mind just helping your sister in the kitchen? And uh, Jesus' response was very considerate. It's not a martyr, martyr, but it's really a martyr, martyr, in a loving and caring way to calm her down and also to give her the, the confidence that he knew her condition, he knew her position, and he is uh, able to sympathize with her. And doesn't this reflect the way um, we do things? And many times, we just want to do the things our way, uh, the way that we approach our ambitions, our career, um, our family, our ministry. Um, and sometimes we need to just sit back and say, what is taking most of our attention? Is it? Our career? Is it the next promotion? Is that our bank account? Is it the vacation that's coming up? Martha was actually focused on her own goal. Uh, she has forgotten that in her business that she needs to take time out and spend the time reflecting on what God is doing through her. Um, and we may say, when we look at our time, our talent and treasures, um, um, that this is the Lord's, just by saying it. But really, does God have our attention? We can be too distracted by too many things, and we ne neglect the one thing that's necessary, the good portion that Mary had chosen. So, what is this one thing? What is this one thing? The Bible doesn't tell us what this one thing is. So we've got to find out what this is. Um, the one thing 
Is it the one thing is to be sitting silent and listening rather than getting busy and distracted in the kitchen? And it's not surprising that many Bible scholars have many varied interpretation. Is it uh, to have uh, better to have a posture of worship than to be busy working? Does faith come before works? Is one personality better than the other? Uh, is the spiritual type better than the practical type? So, lots of things as you unveil this. What is the one thing? Uh, notice that Jesus didn't say that Martha was doing anything wrong. She wasn't doing anything wrong. He said that she was distracted by too many things. But there's only one thing that is necessary. And that's the good portion, the one thing. Um, it seems evident to me that um, the, the Lord actually brings these uh, personalities out to show us that both of them are important. We need to imitate Mary in worship and Martha in our work. Certainly, as we look at our different personalities, we can be a Martha, we can be a Mary at different times. Or maybe we have a, a general disposition towards one uh, personality uh, versus the other. So in Christian service, we find that we can be a martyr or Mary. If you don't like the, 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 the female names, you can put yourself as a Stephen Adam. Right? So, um, but the main problem is uh, that it is a deeper issue with martyr. Martha's issue was really a heart problem. Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do, but she allowed her work to distract her and pull her apart. She was really trying to do two things at one time, trying to serve two masters, God and trying to do her work at the same time. So it's not about the action that's happening. Uh, not about the action of worshipping God better than working for the Lord in the kitchen. It's not about the location. It's not about the kitchen versus the living room. It's not about position. It's not about, uh, uh, you know, just uh, sitting down quietly is better than, you know, standing up busy working in the kitchen. It is not our action. It is not the location. It's not even the position, the posture. It's our disposition. It's our disposition. It is the matter of the heart. Your heart must be focused on the one thing, on Christ. And like Martha, we often have too many things in, and our hearts are restless. Our hearts are distracted and we uh, want to do so many things that become frustrated and anxious. And sometimes we look around and blame others in a bad way because, you know, of what they are not doing. Or because, you know, we expect them to do something when they are not. 
So it is clear that if we want to live for Christ, we cannot just keep um, working without taking the time to be with Christ. We need His presence. We need um, to, to, to be with God. And remember the words of uh, Jesus in John 5, uh, chapter 15. Without me, you can do nothing. So it is important to take time out and spend time with the Lord. And when you talk to Christians facing difficulties in their lives, when you start asking them about, now, I know you're facing difficulties. Now tell me about your devotional life. How is it going? And sometimes you can see that the response is really an embarrassed look, a bowed head, and a quiet confession to say that, look, to be truthful, I haven't been spending too much time with God. I haven't been reading my Bible. I've actually uh, stepped away from it. And that's why sometimes we face so much difficulties and problems as it presses around us. I want to relate to you a story about a young man who was working in a large department store, something like the Myers or the David Jones. Now, he was told by his manager that the store is getting very busy. And now he's required to work on the weekends, particularly on Sundays. Now, this man, being a Christian from a young age, thought deeply and he prayed about it and decided that he had to make a choice. So he went to the manager and said, look, I cannot work on a day that I consider holy. And um, although he likes, he loves the work, he is not able to work the Sunday. And if he can't get the Sundays off, the manager was quite, quite um, uh, annoyed and said, look, if everybody is able to do this and you can't do it, the only thing left for you is to, I have to let you go. So a few days later, this, this young man uh, went and made uh, an, uh, an application for a an, uh, vacancy for a bank the local branch, uh, and he submitted the list of references, which included this uh, department uh, manager uh, that he worked for previously. And when the bank manager looked at the list of uh, uh, references, he called this store manager and asked him, uh, well, um, why uh, do you um, uh, recommend this person? Uh, um, and, and this store manager said, well, um, I'm recommending him because he's going to make you a fine employee. I just fired him a few days ago. Fire him, this, uh, this bank manager said, why are you recommending him to me? Why would you recommend a man whom you've just dismissed from your service? So the store manager said, look, this is the reason why. I know that he will make a good man for your bank because he has the right priorities. If he won't steal the Lord's time, he won't steal your money. So the moral of the story is that we need to have 
one necessary thing, which is to keep our heart in the right place, and it will turn out in the end right. And, well, some of you may ask, well, it is good to say we need to keep focus on the right priorities, but how do I get there? How do I do it? Um, how can a person keep his heart or her heart focused on the right priority when everything around you seems to be tossing and turning and, and tearing you apart, going so fast, uh, and you're actually being um, uh, pulled apart? How do I choose the one thing? How do you do it? What's required? Looking at the big picture, I'll give you four key points to help us choose the right thing from God's Word. And remember that in this passage, we are not comparing the works of Martha with the worship of Mary. It's not about one better than the other. Both are necessary and both are important. Now, to be able to choose the one thing that is necessary, we need to have a restful heart. When we are restless, when we are troubled, we will not be able to find the one thing that is necessary. That's important to keep our Christian priorities straight. When our hearts are restless like martyr, there will be no peace in our hearts and we will be torn apart. We need the peace of God in our hearts in order to see clearly, in order to know the most important thing. The church father, Augustine, says, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. We need our hearts to be at peace if we want to find the one thing that is most important. The second thing is that we need to commune with Christ. Mary chose the presence of Christ rather than being drawn by the chores in the kitchen. Not because it's not important, but she considered the time that she had to spend with Christ more important than preparing food for her guests at that point in time. Uh, and uh, really, sometimes we forget that uh, with Christ, there's actually no lack. Sometimes we forget that, oh, do you remember that if we just have a glass of water, it could be turned into fine wine? Have we forgotten that you know, open up my, <laughs> my kitchen and it's only got, oh, you know, uh, uh, I've got only got five loaves and two fish. Not enough. Have you forgotten that it could feed 5,000? So in the presence of Christ, he will provide. There is no lack. And um, of course, thirdly, we need to have this eternal perspective. And Mary had that heavenly perspective. Um, there is a heavenly bread that we can have at the feet of Jesus that satisfies our hungry souls, and our souls needs to be fed each time. And, and, and we, can, we can actually have physical bread any time, but the 
bread that is from heaven is actually priceless because that keeps us alive eternally. That gives us the eternal uh, goal of uh, living life uh, after our physical death. So it's important to keep that in mind. We are heavenly beings and we need to have the eternal perspective. And that's probably what Jesus had, uh, sorry, what uh, Mary had in her heart when she sat down at Jesus' feet. And she would probably have thought, look, um, uh, although I know it's important to do the work in the kitchen, but I will be able to help Martha later. And having the spiritual food to satisfy my soul is what I need. And lastly, is prayer. Never forget prayer. Uh, and it is important to keep prayer in mind because you need to have that restful heart uh, to choose the one thing that's necessary. Prayer is the answer to a restless and divided heart. And you can see that the importance of prayer that um, uh, that Luke actually put this right uh, uh, into this passage here because the next chapter, chapter 11, is guess what? It's about prayer. It's about the Lord's prayer. The importance of prayer is so uh, 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 great that we cannot, we must not uh, miss this. And uh, Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 4 um, that we are not, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. In verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of The way to prevent anxiety and distractions is our close relationship with God through prayer. A prayerful heart is a peaceful heart. Have you ever wondered, what if you were to reverse the situation? What would happen if um, we get this alternative scenario. Just imagine with me. Jesus comes to the house with his disciples and they're all um, greatly welcome. And Martha, being a wonderful host, is so glad that she begins to think that, hey, what a great opportunity that she has to have Jesus coming for dinner. She says that I'm going to make him the very best. I'll get the best ingredients, prepare a delicious meal for my Lord. It is my gift to him for all he's done for me. Well, if Mary is not able to help, never mind. She can come later. I just have to prepare. Um, and there we find Martha, wholly focused on serving and preparing uh, for a meal in honor of Jesus and knowing whatever she does, God will bless her efforts. But on the other hand, we have Mary, who is happy to listen to Jesus, so eager and anxious, just to take in what is the best that Jesus has to offer. And 
She just wanted everyone to hear what Jesus had to say. She turns around and finds Martha's busy in the kitchen. And she begins to think, where is Martha? Doesn't she know that this is the, uh, the, the best time, the best opportunity? We have the best Bible teacher here, and why is she not here, sitting at the feet of Jesus? And Mary begins to be truly troubled and anxious that Martha is not there, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she goes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that Martha has not joined us in this Bible study? And you know what Jesus would have said? Mary, Mary, you are troubled by many things. But one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. And this hopefully will help us to reinforce the truth that what has happened to Martha can equally happen to Mary. Our, knee, our heart needs to be focused on the most important thing, the one thing, uh, so that we are not distracted by the many things around us, living daily with Christ. I'd like to end with this uh, quote here from Brother Lawrence, Brother Lawrence was a monk in the 17th century. He spent most of his life working in a kitchen and repairing the monk's sandals. But during his decades of doing just menial tasks around the monastery, he discovered the secret to cultivating holiness by practicing the presence of God, even in the kitchen or in the repair shop. The book, Practicing the Presence of God, is a Christian classic, and it's inspired godly men and women as they work and worship God in every station and location in life. He says this, the most important thing is to have the inner joy and contentment that comes with resting and having an inner peace with God in whatever we do. How true these words are for us. I pray that all of us will continue to choose one thing that is necessary, the good portion, that will keep us faithful and obedient in serving him in the days ahead. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, it is not a coincidence that we find ourselves and our relationships reflected in the life of Martha and Mary. As we reflect on the truth of this passage, help us, we pray, to have the peace to make the right choice, to rejoice in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep our eyes heavenward and to continue to pray continually for each other. In Jesus' name, amen.